Hello, friends, and welcome to Bantering the Blue Shirts. Uh, I'm Mike Burphy. No Joe Fortunato this week. Instead, Adam Herman is pinch hitting, or uh, that's what we'll call it. We'll call it pinch hitting. Adam, maybe 20 minutes before we hopped on to start our show, the Rangers made a trade. Uh, Vlad Nemestikov is an Ottawa senator, and the Rangers got Nick Ebert, who I literally have never heard of before. And a fourth-round pick, which seem which seems really just underwhelming. Tell me what the hell, what the hell is a Nick Ebert? Really, we'll start there. Well, first of all, let's just talk about how fortunate our listeners are that Joe is not on the show to pronounce Nemesnikov, because True. you know, you know how that goes. But yeah, let's talk about uh, Nick Ebert. He's he was once actually a, a top prospect going into his draft year. Um, I don't remember the exact numbers, but like I think Bob McKenzie of TSN had him something like fifth overall for the 2012 draft. Oh wow! Um, and then I think he just had some injury issues and some other things just didn't go well. So he kind of had an, a mediocre draft year and went in the seventh round to Los Angeles. And he's just kind of bounced around since then. Um, he was actually he's played in the KHL for a year. He was in Sweden, I think, the last two years it was. And yeah, I'm actually, at his elite prospects. He, last season he was in the SHL with uh, Orobro and then the season yeah. before he was in the KHL and kind of seemed to split the year with Orobro and uh, yeah. HG Slovan so yeah. um, all over the map really if you look at his numbers there he um, both the KHL and Sweden I mean he didn't light the league on fire or anything but like he put he put up pretty you know solid numbers in those leagues for for defensemen um so so look I, I think his inclusion was more that i think ottawa um dave shapiro blue seat blogs pointed this out ottawa was fairly close to the contract limit each team's only allowed to have 50 players under contract and i think nemesnikov would have put them at 49 or 50 so they i i think ebert's inclusion is more about them just creating some breathing room and the rangers yeah. have a lot of room uh, i think they only have like 45 45 contracts maybe um but look, I, I think he's going to be a, a you know a nice, a nice solid player for Hartford. Um, so this not, isn't the yeah. seventh defenseman. I'm, stranger things have happened, right? Like yeah, I just um, looked. He finished tied for second in goals among D in the SHL last year. Yeah, that's, that's like, just it's look, just like, counting stats, but it's still like all right. Well, maybe there's something there. Yeah, um, I, I mean. Granted, it's Ottawa, but um, yeah, yeah. There's a reason they gave him an NHL contract this summer after he was in Europe the last two seasons as a twenty. You know, now he's 25 years old. Like they didn't just hand that out for fun. Like clearly, they gave him that kind of money. Um, you know, and uh, took up a contract slot because they thought he, you know, had some ability. Um, I'm not going to bet on him becoming the seventh defenseman, but like it would, it wouldn't surprise me. Like that resume certainly lends enough. Um, to the idea that it's it's feasible um yeah and Har- hartford's not weak on the right side but they, they certainly weren't in a position to turn down talent there either it's going to be joey keen and darren radish and now now ebert um so it's only going to help hartford i think um but uh i would guess the draft pick is more what the rangers were after um they're getting mm-hmm. a fourth round pick in 2021 i believe which uh look uh if you told the Rangers in, in, in March of 2018, you know, like after this, after the McDonough and Miller trade that in two years, um, not even, 
to a year and a half, I guess, they'd be trading Nemesnikov for a fourth round pick and you know a minor leaguer. Yeah. I don't I don't think that would have been how they foresaw uh this this ending. Um but you know, it is what it is. Uh but yeah. <laughs> that that's, yeah, that's kind of where it's at. Like when the moment I heard of this news, the the first thing that my I was talking to a friend of mine about this recently about how I don't really think Gorton gets enough flack really for the contracts he handed to mm. Vlad Nemestikov and uh, Ryan Spooner. Yeah. Of course, Ryan Spooner became Ryan Strom. But he gave both of them identical deals. Two-year deals at $4 million a year. Uh, so two, so $8 million over two years. And, you know, like you said, getting this return, if we had heard this a year and a half ago, we would all have been like, well, what the hell, what the hell are you talking about? Nemestikov yeah. was, you know, a key. He came off Tampa's first line yeah. and you know, his stock was sky high, and now his stock, the Rangers really just kind of drove his stock into the ground. And yeah. that's the thing that is so fascinating for me is the impetus for the Rangers here. Is this just clearing a roster spot, or is this Nemesikov saying, I'd like to be moved? And if that's the case, is this the best deal that they could have? I mean, is this all they could have gotten from a, a fourth and an AHL level D? Uh, you know, like, look, like, is Nemesnikov worth the four million cap hit that the Rangers gave him? No, but no, no, yeah. this isn't like a throwaway PC. They're like, he's a very good defensive defenseman. He can chip in, you know, 14, 16 goals. Yeah, you said defensive defenseman, defensive uh, forward. Sorry, defensive yeah, yeah. forward. Correct. Yes. Uh, you know, so like, look, like, I think, like, I think you look at Nemesnikov as like the kind of player every contending team wants to add at the deadline for their third line you know as kind of just like that final piece to to put them over the edge um so like you know i would have thought for sure the rangers would have at least gotten a third round pick um for him you know maybe even a second or like a third and a sixth um so not not great and you know yeah. the timing of it is just strange because why not wait to see if he can improve his value you know throughout the season and then move closer to the deadline when teams are more likely to um they're going to know where they're at in the standings and what their outlook is and they're more likely to part with draft picks um but what i would guess about that and if you read uh, quotes from Dan Milstein, who is his agent, Nemesnikov's agent. Like, he doesn't outright say it, but it seems like Nemesnikov wanted out. Um, yeah. Which, which I can uh, understand from his perspective for sure. Oh yeah, I mean, look, like the yeah. Rangers just demoted him. Like I practiced earlier today, he was on the fourth. He was on the fourth line wing. Um, so you're looking at if you're him, you know. You're a free agent, unrestricted free agent at the end of the season. Um, this is your best chance in your life to get a payday. Um, where, you know, Ottawa doesn't seem like a fun landing spot, but where are you more likely to um, have have kind of the stage to showcase yourself? You know, in Ottawa, where you're probably going to play all situations and, you know, at worst, third line, maybe he's going to get second or first line minutes, right? Or like in New York yeah. right now, where he's just kind of buried on the depth chart. So yeah, I'd have a hard time. He would want out. 
I'd have a hard time telling you who the Senators' top six forwards are right now. I don't, I don't yeah, think I mean, I like, name off the top of your head, how many players can you name <laughs> on the Senators who, like, definitively will be above him on the depth chart? Like, for me, it's yeah, Brady, I, Kachuk, Brady Kachuk, right? Like, on yeah. the wing. Kachuk, uh, <laughs> that's and what then, I got for you. Yeah, we start, it starts to get into some stretches, yeah. Uh, yeah like Bobby so, Ryan shouldn't be. He's still there, I know that. Um, yeah, I mean, like, you could debate that at least, right? <laughs> like, you can't say definitively anymore, Bobby Ryan. I mean, it's prime, obviously, but now... Colin White? Yeah, okay. Um, I forgot Anisimov's there. That's fun. You... So there you yeah, go. I mean, like, yeah, so... Yeah, he's going to get playing time, maybe even at center, which would increase his value, right? Um, so it makes sense why he would want out. Um, and for the Rangers, like, it obviously, like, it, the optics of it are horrible, but if if it's true that Nemesnikov wanted out, was it worth holding an unhappy player, you know, the length of the season so that you could get a third-round pick instead, you know, in, in, Mar- in February? Like, for me at that point, like, I get, I get it, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Just get, get out the unhappy player. You know, one fewer problem to worry about this season, and it also um, opens up cap space and makes room for a forward from Hartford potentially. You know, not even necessarily like right now, but um, maybe it's in a month that Filipito or Vitaly Kratsov, you know, or maybe even someone like Tim Gettinger or Latiri yeah, escape the uh, the Wolf Pack and. You know, depending on what the role looks like. Obviously, you know, like you said, Vlad was on the fourth line, which means maybe it doesn't necessarily mean it's a one-for-one swap that whoever comes up will be plugged into the fourth line role. It's, you know, things can be moved around. And, you know, it, how long have did we hear in the offseason about Brady Shea and Jacob Truba only to have that change yeah. uh, in game two? So Yeah, and look, like Brendan Lemieux on the third line right now. Clearly, the coaching staff's content with how he has played recently, but I don't think it's a situation where um, if, you know, Hedl or Kravtsov um, proves that, you know, they, they've earned top nine minutes. I don't think the coaching staff's going to exactly have a hard time moving Lemieux down to line four, right? Yeah. So you know theoretically it opens up a, a top nine roster spot for uh the rangers if not now then you know whenever yeah. they feel they need you know the time is right to to make that decision yeah you mentioned yeah. you mentioned of course the cap uh save so the rangers do retain according to cap friendly 750k of nemesikov's four million um which does just create more breathing room for the Rangers. Of course, it does also yeah. trigger a bunch of questions about some of the other moves that the Rangers made. Um, yeah. I think you can't help but say, you know, again, you can't help but question whether or not the Shattenkirk buyout was yeah. completely necessary, especially uh, last I checked, Kevin Shattenkirk had two goals in a couple games with Tampa Bay. Uh, so uh, he is on his redemption tour, is off to yeah. a strong start in its first couple cities, uh, which yeah. is great for him. And really, if I understand if you're a Ranger fan who, you know, maybe you got on, you found it easy to boo for Kevin Shattenkirk for whatever reason, I always was under the impression that he got the short end of the stick. And to see him start the year off like this is great. I think it's a great yeah. thing for him and his career. Yeah. Yeah, sure. And like, that's no fun. But even ignoring that, right? Like, I think it's a $6 million cap hit, like cap penalty the Rangers get next season. $6,083,000 yeah. next, next season. That's a <laughs> major cap penalty. It's uh, no bueno at you all. You know, like, and they're, 
maybe going to have to extend D'Angelo or an Enlemieux, Georgiev. Uh, you know, maybe that's the difference between keeping and losing Chris Kreider, right? Like, it's a lot easier to defend keeping Chris Kreider um, with $6 million in cap space next season. Um, but anyway, I digress. Point being... Uh, not not a great uh, situation. Knowing what we know now, number one, the trade that was made with Tampa Bay initially, yeah. and then number two, the handling of the Shattenkirk situation in the summer. But look, like yeah. that, it makes the already awkward optics of this Vlad trade look a little worse. Yeah, which it is does really, not look great. Yeah, they already looked pretty bad, really, just because in terms of assets for you know received back and. It helps maybe that Libor Hayek makes the team out of camp this year, even though, you know, it's very obvious that Libor Hayek is super raw and that he has aspects of his game that need a lot of work. And that's fine for a guy his age, but we should also be realistic about where he is and what he can be. And when you consider what the Rangers gave up, it's it's not just Ryan McDonough. It was JT Miller, too. It's... And it was, he was a just trade huge, for first and third round huge pick, first and third round picks, right? So, yeah. So you know what the Rangers gave up and what they got back not the not the best, but yeah. And now looking back at Gorton's last couple of trades, we have a third round pick in return for VC. Of course, that was a pretty much just you know salary dump to create room for Panarin. Yeah, no uh, issues there. Truba. And then you have the Jacob Truba trade, mm-hmm. Neil Pionk, and a first, which was Winnipeg's first for Truba. Yep. And then the only other trade that happened before the deadline was, of course, the Adam Fox deal. Uh, you know, the 29th second and the conditional third in 2020. Um, yep. So it's, you know, I would say maybe this most recent trade is the worst of the bunch, all things considered. Um, it's, yeah. It is what it is in terms of optics. It's, I hope that there's a silver lining to it. But when we, when I think back to those contracts, like I was saying, that's, you know, the Spooner contract and the Nemesikov contract, when they happened, I, like, I was wringing the collar of my shirt a little bit. I was like, yeah. aren't, isn't the idea to trade these guys eventually? Shouldn't we, why are we giving them the money they're asking for when we know, you know, teams will not be able to take on their contracts easily? It just didn't yeah. make sense to me. I was, in my <clears throat> opinion, just, I was like, you know, sign them to one-year deals and... You know, make them super tradable assets, play them up in the lineup, and, you know, what happened to, you know, Spooner just absolutely fell apart, and we got Ryan Strom out of it, and the Rangers should have flipped him when his stock was high, they didn't do it, and after the first two games, he's fourth among the team's forwards in five-on-five ice time, which is just uh, special, I'll I'll use that word for this situation, and... Now we have Nemesikov gone for a fourth-round pick and an AHL-level defenseman, Adam. So uh, that's I mean, where we are. Yeah, I mean, like again, like if Nemesikov was signed as a free agent and this was the trade right now, I think we'd all just kind of be saying like, whatever, right? Like, not perfect, but like, yeah, you know, it wouldn't, it wouldn't it's sting. The it wouldn't have any extra kind of the context it. of it, and I mean. I think the Rangers, Jeff Gordon, and the Rangers have done a whole lot of great things during this rebuild, but. Can you imagine like how people would respond to this trade right now if Panarin and Kako weren't Rangers and and like what what I mean by that is that um, like Panarin and Kako like the Rangers didn't really do anything right like to to make them Rangers they just kind of 
fell into and their they, lap. They, yeah, as opposed to like, fell into a lap as opposed to an Adam Fox too, right? Yeah. Like as opposed to Jacob Truba, which they kind of, you know, they that was very well crafted to, you know, to trade Kevin Hayes and and then move Pianca and that first for Truba. Like that's an example of a trade I would say like Jeff Gordon, like they in the Rangers very much like manufactured themselves. But if you're if there's no Kako and and Panarin, like you're looking at M. Nemesnikov as a major piece in this in this rebuild, and if they trade him for a, f- a fourth round pick, like that would look horrible right now. You know, you know what I mean. Like it just yeah, it really would. Uh, like this, he would because like right now it was like forget like it doesn't even matter like because there's just so much better. There are so many better things going on that like it's kind of like even like forgettable that that was he was at one point part of the rebuild. So. Yeah, I the just Rangers want to remind are quite lucky for obviously bigger reasons than this trade. They're lucky to have yeah. Panarin and Kako, but like specifically for the optics of this Nemesnikov deal, like they are quite lucky that they have bigger distractions. Um, they so. really are. Yeah, I just want to remind everyone that when the Rangers acquired uh, Vlad Nemesnikov, Joe predicted he was capable of twenty-five goals with the Rangers. <laughs> I called him a lunatic, yeah. and he said, "No, it seems about right." Um, yeah, I mean, look, like that's that's funny. But I don't think anyone even like, and we were pretty unhappy. Well, at least I, I was fairly low on Nemesnikov when the deal was made. I would never have predicted it would have gone this poorly. Not, neither would I, and I was maybe one of the people who was lowest on him because I just looked at the sort of player he was before that deal. You know, he was a yeah. player who, I think in his, his second full season, he had thirty-five or forty points, and you know, he's not. He was never that guy, and he was never really supposed to be that guy. And right, like, right, right. But but like you put Greg McKegg <laughs> on that line with Kucherov and Stamkos. Like Greg McKegg is going to be a yeah. sixty-point player. Yeah, but like I mean, like look, like Nemesikov had when he was twenty-two years old, he had thirty-five points, right? But I mean, look, it's, oh, with, yeah, Tam- it's with Tampa, right, it's with yeah. Tampa Bay. But like you would think, like all right, once he's twenty-five, you know, this is a you would think this is a forty-point player, guy, yeah, forty-point player. I mean, he barely barely scratched 30 points last season and that's one you know on a horrible team where he had all the opportunity in the world right so yeah not um, a lot of ice time last yeah. season but the other thing with that is he was just it, like falling into the rangers lineup was he was a guy who like remember it was um it was spooner who after the tr- the that deadline was like Everything he threw in the yeah. remotely in the direction of the net was a goal. Yeah. Or a primary assist in Nemesikov just looked like, you know, like trash in terms of his production. And yeah. it was really brutal. Of course, Nemesikov had the better overall tenure as a ranger. Um, you know, and his versatility, yeah. like being able to move him around the lineup was definitely a plus. Yeah. But a great defensive player, too, whereas yeah, Strom was just a disaster. Yeah, but we ended up with you know he was he versatile and useful in the lineup absolutely but yeah. the price tag just made him not yeah. not the most important guy in the team I mean, especially after the rangers spent you know whatever the hell it was on uh you know with signing the second highest aav and mm-hmm. and panarin and of course making jacob Trouba one of the highest paid defensemen in the league so yeah, and that's like, where we start it at. just just didn't work out with the Mesticall for whatever reasons which you know sometimes it just happens um i think he's going to be better off in ottawa and then probably moved at the deadline but i think he's going to sign somewhere in the summer uh you know as a, at a third line price not four million uh, and i think some team will be relatively happy with what he can provide it's just not you know 
Rangers didn't really see it, and certainly not four millions worth. So, you know, it happens. It is what it is, and Rangers are on to bigger and better. And now we're going to be on to bigger and better things with this ad read, Adam. Maybe it's a delicious food thing. Let's listen. Whatever that was, I'm sure it sounds delicious. Watch it be for, you know, Borderlands or something. Or, one time it was Hooters, though, which is just, you know. Well, definitely know fun. our clientele, for sure. Yeah, they, uh, they apparently, they think, they think we're a Hooters sort of crowd. Nothing against Hooters, but uh, I don't know. Yeah, I could no, never no. go into a Hooters without feeling really guilty about everything. Yeah, it's um, pretty We'll probably awful. never get to advertise them again, so I'm just burning the show to the ground. Adam, we talked a lot about the Vlad trade. I want to talk about something wonderful. Something wonderful named Mika Zibanejad. It's, it's a, you know, you and I both care about numbers a lot. Mm-hmm. This is a two-game sample size because the Rangers' schedule is just utterly ridiculous. Uh, we, we don't, they don't play again until Saturday, and then they don't play again until Thursday. Uh, and then they play back-to-backs on Thursday and Friday. So it's a full week off. Uh, and then another five days off. Mm-hmm. But Mika Zibanejad and the top line of Zibanejad, Panarin, and Buchnevich are, I think it's four goals for it, five on five, zero against. And Zibanejad had back-to-back four-point games. He is currently leading the NHL in points. All things are good. He is everyone's entire heart. Mm. Tell me about Mika Zibanejad. Yeah, well, like, let's do the buzzkill part first, because... What's think... wrong with you? Why would you do that? We just we, we just dragged Nemestikov... <laughs> because it will lead into bigger and better. Okay. Uh, and just, that's, like, that's you know, the, the true thing, which is that Mika Zibanejad's a hell of a player, and better than even I expected, and I was quite a fan of him. Um, but Yeah, he, yeah, I was really stoked on that trade with Brissard. I said, this is the sort of trade I want this Oh, uh, yeah, I loved it from make. the beginning, but... Even I, would I didn't not think have expected. I'd fall in love with it the way I had. I thought yeah, the Rangers been, were getting. Real. I thought the Rangers were getting a very good like tweener, second, third line center. Um, I did not think they were getting. Yeah, I thought they were getting a second line center who could be on the power play. I was like, oh look, yeah. a right handed shot because that's all that really mattered at that yeah, time. Like, because like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think it was like, yeah, we yeah. have no right handed shots and yeah. this guy shoots. If, uh, if you want to group together all trades the Rangers have made with Ottawa in the last, you know, few years. I think the Rangers come away clear winners, right? Pretty <laughs> so, clear, yeah. So, but look, like, aside from the fact that it's just two games, um, you know, number one, um, Ottawa and Winnipeg are two of the worst defensive teams in the league for sure this season, and their goaltending is not exactly elite either, so you got to keep that in, in mind. You do have to keep um, that in mind. Uh, what but Winnipeg lost over the offseason, especially on the right side, is insane. It's it's. I was thinking this earlier, which is I can't remember a situation where a team like at any position just went from like ridiculously scary to just like... Yeah, they had Horrible. a plethora like, just of like options. So, like yeah. so quickly, right? Like Chicago's defense did that, but it took time for them to get to that point. Yeah, it took time to unravel. Yeah, yeah it was like a it was Winnipeg. a threat that slowly <laughs> got pulled, as opposed to an instant incineration. Of, yeah, <laughs> of what that defense could do, what its potential was, and now it's just Josh Morrissey. You know, it's like holding on with for dear life and, there with him. Yeah, uh, and Neil Pionk. Um, and, and not yeah. even, not only that, Blake. Pionk's not even their biggest problem, which, like, <laughs> for the No, like, he's not, actually. As, he's as really bad as the, the Rangers were last year, like, Pionk was pretty close to their worst problem, you know? Maybe Stahl's worst, other, you know, but other than that. 
<laughs> so that's that's not great. And then Ottawa, look, like we know the situation with, with Ottawa. They're not good anywhere. So uh, we got to keep that in mind. But the things I do like, number one, like I don't think he got many or any power play points. Um, like he's done a lot of his scoring at even strength, which is encouraging because that's a lot more sustainable and it, uh, you know, and impactful because it's obviously harder to score at five on five than it is on the power play. Um, and number two, like, it's just, it's very clear. Uh, like you look at those goals, they were not fluke goals. There's, those were some incredible goals yeah, that he scored or, or assisted yeah. on, um, so in that sense, it's he's he's not eight points in two games sustainable, but you know I don't look at that and say like hey like he's got, you know was lucky to get points like he deserved those he earned those points for sure, um, and I I can't remember the last time the Rangers had a first line like this, um, you know like Yager. Time? Yeah, I maybe mean, it's Yager, Schalke, Nylander. I was thinking yeah. maybe, maybe uh, Nash, Gabrick, Richards during that like walkout shortened season. Yeah, that um, was a crazy line while it lasted. Yeah, but it was kind of flash in the pan. Whereas this is like the Rangers will have this for <laughs> a while, I would think. Um, what was I going to say? Yeah, um, I but, wrote before the yeah. season. I think for sporting news I wrote something about like you know this is going to be a career year for Zibanejad just because he has an elite playmaking winger you know, there's not yeah. a lot of these guys in the league with Panarin I don't think like the chemistry was there in preseason again you know small sample size warnings and big bold letters all over this but just the way that trio has moved the puck you know the the way you know, Zibanejad's reaction to Buchnevich's like, it was like this... Yeah. It was a, a pass <laughs> that didn't need to get made, but the fact that it was made to me, like, I was trying to describe it to a friend. I was like, it was like extra whipped cream on something that was like already s- delicious. Spiking the football. Yeah, it was just so excessive and dirty. It was just <laughs> a naughty, horrible, filthy thing. If you go back and watch that goal, Brady's Chase face is so funny because yeah, he just, just like he just like can't believe like how dirty that was. Like it should have been illegal. Yeah, it's a video um, game goal. Like it, yeah. it, it had no place on an actual NHL yeah. ice surface. Yeah, but yeah. that's when this. W- like you said, when when the hell is the last time yeah. the Rangers had a line that could yeah. do things like that? You know, you know, like so, like you said, you thought Zabanajad was going to have a career year for those yeah, yeah. for the reasons of the additions made, and so like I I agreed that he was well. I thought he was going to have a better year on the whole, but mm-hmm. I thought he was going to score fewer points than last season, and my my logic behind that was that. Um, you know, number one last season was certainly a breakout year for him, and it was you know, can he do it again? Wasn't sure, and but but number two, it's a fair I, question. I the bigger thing is that I thought he would play better, but I thought he'd get fewer points because he was going to get fewer touches of the puck because last season, yeah, last season, he was the offense. Yeah, he was a you know, it was him and Hayes basically. Those are the guys you want to get the puck to. Now, you know. Panarin's the obvious number one. You've got Kako. Bushnevich is finally, you know, in his rightful place in a top, you know, permanent top six spot, it would seem. Um, you know, Trub is going to get a lot of touches of the puck. You got Fox and D'Angelo. So I just thought he was going to get fewer touches. Um, well, it makes sense, really. I mean, even, you know, even centers, centers typically touch the puck yeah. a lot more. But you're right. Like, in terms of guys who are going to have, like, the lion's share of the puck, especially yeah. on the power play. Like everything funneled to 
Mika Zibanejad yeah. on the power play last season, and teams knew it, and the Rangers still did it, yeah. and you know that was their bread and butter. Yeah, and now but it's it, it's Panarin's yeah. power play, but he just so happens to, yeah. you know, both of Panarin's goals are on the power play. It's mm-hmm. worth mentioning. So, yeah. and you know, I also I also thought and like look like I I liked Zibanejad as I said from the moment the Rangers traded for him and. This summer, I would have said that he was kind of in that step-on situation where, like, he can be your first-line center, but if he is, like, you better be, like, really good down the middle on lines two and three, you know what I mean? As opposed to, like, just, like, a linchpin first-line center. Uh, Well, I think that's a natural instinct in some ways for Rangers fans because there was all of that will he or won't he in terms of step-on reaching that whatever that level was yeah. that so many people said he's not yet a true first line center and so you rewind back and like Nylander in his prime and Richards like the Rangers yeah. haven't had a lot of true one C's yeah and you know like I'm not, I'm not prepared to do this right now so it would be a very interesting idea either for a future podcast or you know another article but how many first-line centers in the NHL would you take for 2019-2020 over Zibanejad? Because I think that'd be very interesting to look at because, like, right, like, there's no way, no one would think he's on even close to the level of Crosby or or McDavid. Yeah, he's not in the elites. You know, but, you know, like, you know, again, off the top of my head, it would be a bit hard to figure out, but, where, like, where quite is he? Because this summer, I would have said probably somewhere around 30 to 40 um now i'm maybe it's 15 to 20 uh maybe even a bit higher um you know going forward for the future he's certainly you know looking quite good because he's he's what 25 26 years old so yeah he's still uh, he's still young enough to be a big part of the rebuild i think he's 26 now but freshly 26 yeah um 26 turns 27 in april um yeah yeah so i i think there's no doubt like again like this isn't like a marquee franchise center um with like with pittsburgh where it doesn't really matter who's after crosby or you you know um but i i think he's definitely someone you can win the stanley cup with as your first line center um yeah so so yeah like (laughs) for sure he as great as he was last season you know it's only been two games but it not, not to mention how great he is defensively, which I think gets undersold as well. But he definitely so, gets I, undersold. And like yeah. I like again, like something like I knew, you know, thought last season. But like even just through two games, watching the work he puts in, and it's not just like hustle, but just the reads he makes is he's so such an intelligent player. Um, so he's a true two way, uh, you know, first line center. Um, and you know, that's <laughs> quite quite uh, quite defined by Jeff Gordon. Uh, and the Rangers, um, you know. Yeah. So I know we have a lot of stuff we want to get to. I think some of the stuff is going to be touched on in Off the Post, but because we had our first two games of the season, uh, before we get there, of course, you know, you're Boucher Banner's prospect guy. That's just who you are. Like, we should get you a little business card with that. Right. Or a little, you know, a little placard, whatever you want to call it. Yep. Um what was your immediate reaction to Philip Heedle not being on the opening night roster? Uh, yeah. I mean, look, like I agree with the Rangers. He didn't have a great preseason. Um, I also don't think preseason is like the, the best environment for true evaluation. 
Um, it's definitely not, especially so when you consider on any given night you could be playing an AHL team or, or a half yeah. NHL team or a full yeah, NHL team. Like you, you know, the line lines are all weird, and it's a small. It's such a you know, like if <laughs> if we were to evaluate. Um, you know, Leas Anderson after six NHL games or Brett Howen after six NHL games, like that wouldn't be <laughs> particularly smart, right? No. Uh, and, you know, Hedl played what, four maybe preseason games? So, you know, I think you can learn a lot more from what he did last season than. Yeah, the 75 games he played last year, yeah. I think, hold a great deal more weight than the four games where, he, I admit, I think everyone who really has, you know, you know, a set of eyes in their head will say mm-hmm. that he didn't look very good. Um, he showed yeah. some flashes here and there, like he often did last season, but he definitely looked like a guy who was kind of mm-hmm. searching for his spot. Yeah, and, um, and but like, definitely look. was knocked off the puck a little too easily, definitely looked a little timid, and you know, it is what it is. Yeah, and and you know, look, like, not that Hedl has character issues or anything, but it's just kind of natural, like, we all get complacent, right? Uh, and he especially he just turned 20 like a month ago so I also wonder if this is kind of like a uh, a message from the Rangers kind of because you know if it's game seven of the Stanley Cup final you want to put out your best lineup no questions asked and that includes Philip Hedl if you know the Rangers have to put their best lines out tomorrow Hedl is on the team um, and in a top nine role but this is still a rebuilding process um and it's only you know it's only October. There's plenty of time for him to come back. Uh, but I wonder if it was a bit of a message to you know a 20 year old, that, uh, you know that they thought was maybe kind of taking things for granted a little bit. Um, I wonder if it's a message to, you know, as someone once famously said, work on your game, kid. Um, yeah. So again, he's only 20. Even even if that's not it, you know, again, he's only 20 years old. If if Hedl had been in the Czech Republic last season and you know this was his first year in north america and the rangers sent him to to hartford as a you know fresh 20 year old i don't think anyone would have even blinked um so i don't think it's by anything close to worth you know some dramatic overreaction um even though it wouldn't have necessarily been my decision yeah i so. agree it is it it is one of those things where you just you understand how it could happen you understand that you know, it was that 2C spot. It was the battle for it. Ryan Strom, you know, has kind of worked himself into the good graces of the coaching staff. And he's there. And, you know, for the time being, Filipino and everyone else really in the lineup has to do whatever they have to do to shine a little better, brighter and better than, than Strom. And I really think that Heedle didn't do enough to make that case for himself yeah. in the preseason. And, you know, like I talked to Joe about this last week, like... The craft of being in the HL is, you know, is not surprising. I think the fact that mm-hmm. um, he was a healthy scratch for game two is definitely, yeah, you know, weird. I know there's there's a lot to dissect there, um, you know, and just in both in terms of, you know, is it a question of, hey, kid, uh, you know, you played your first game, you made your AHL deb- debut, we didn't like what we saw. I didn't get to watch that game. Um, mm-hmm. I know he was... A minus one and no shots on net, but that doesn't tell me anything. Um, yeah. What tells me a lot of things is that he's one of the best forward prospects in the NHL. And it's, uh, what's the word here, Adam? Disappointing. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, 
curious that he would be scratched immediately in game two. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, but also, like, I'm sure the Rangers had their reasons, and maybe those are good reasons, or maybe they're like embarrassingly bad reasons. But either way, like, there's you know context that we we don't have. So, you know, if, look, if Kravtsov's in the press box multiple times, you know, in the next few weeks, then it's going to be a little Then bit, it's the real story. Yeah. yeah then, the, that, then this is actually worth, you know, more than kind of like, uh, huh, you know, or yeah, you know, it's worth a quick, more than a couple quick people. mention on, you know, a podcast. But yeah, this isn't, you know, I've seen people on social media or wherever else kind of like really like, you know, digging into the Rangers about this and like... I just don't think we know enough, especially just for one game, the second game of the season when it was a back-to-back to really, you know, make a definitive call on like if it was a good or bad choice um, for the Rangers. So, or for the Wolfpack yeah. rather, but uh, yeah, definitely a bit interesting, but um, sure. it's, it's not worth, you know, really even thinking about for more than 10 seconds. So I wanted to, before we wrap up, I wanted to throw a couple of like uh, predicting things at you. Sure. Um, just like not not quite over unders, but things that I think might happen that I'd like to see where you fall. Like I want to use you as my uh, you know like uh, my litmus test, mm-hmm. te- test a pH on some of these operating theories of mine. The first of which is, I think Jacob Truba is going to set a personal best in shots on goal. Um, mm-hmm. Last season he was at one sixty two. I think with the Rangers, he could. I think it's possible he could approach like 180, 190. Yeah. Um, just from what we saw in preseason and the way he's been hammering it, uh, it, it definitely seems like that. I mean, again, small sample size, siren. Yeah. Um, but it seems like that the shot of his is becoming a weapon on the power play. Um, and obviously, you know, in Winnipeg, there was a much bigger and uh, more famous shot that he was in the lineup with Bufflin. And Not just Bufflin, but Line A. Yeah, uh, yeah, the, probably the single best shot in the <laughs> NHL. They picked two so, better players to shoot the puck, you know. Yeah, and, you Not know, nice. when that happens, you when you're a guy like Truba who might have a heavy shot, your shot doesn't really count as much. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I was wondering what you thought about that. Do you think this is a year where Truba, you know, not even looking or predicting what his actual production will be or anything beyond that, but do you just think he's going to shoot more than ever this year? Yeah, I, I can see it, and I think the logic makes sense. You know, like we were just saying, Winnipeg has, um, you know, whether it's at even strength or especially the power play. Like, if you're Winnipeg, if you're head coach Paul Maurice, like, you're designing things that like sure like if other players have shot open shots take them but like you're designing plays to get the puck to buffalo or line a for shots like that is what you want to do um with the rangers i mean look you're quite happy you're content if it's panarin or buchnevich or zibanejad um or Kreider shooting the puck but those aren't like the guy guys that you just like yes they specifically are the ones who have to have to shoot it because they're just so much better shooting than everyone else so yeah it would make quite a lot of sense if Truba um you know had more had more shots this season um the one thing I will say is that he definitely, you know, Fox and D'Angelo are, are going to be breathing down his neck in terms of just offensive touches and power play, um, and not because of anything Truba might do wrong or anything. But, again, this is a rebuild. Those are young players who are very gifted offensively. Um, 
and the Rangers are going to want to give them opportunities too. So that's the only reason I could possibly see, yeah. uh, you know, otherwise. But I think it makes a lot of sense that Truba would um, shoot the puck more. Yeah, that, it's funny you mentioned that because that was my other question. This one I don't really have a prediction for. I just think it's a fascinating thing mm-hmm. to watch because of the, really just the fact that we have Truba and D'Angelo and Fox. I was wondering, you know, if, if we do average time on ice for power play, let's say, you know, an injury happens, what have you, who do you think ends up with a higher average power play time this season between D'Angelo and Fox? Yeah, that's a tough one. Um, I, My guess is first half of the year, it's D'Angelo, just because it's kind of his to lose. Yeah. Um, and it, I think it's really up to Fox to show uh, that he has it. But mm-hmm. frankly, I think he does have it. It's just a yeah. matter of opportunity. It all comes down to opportunity. I, I also think the team deep down knows that Fox is going to be here longer than D'Angelo. And this has nothing, yeah. to, this has nothing to do with any like problems with D'Angelo or anything like that. It's just... Uh, and you know, He's I wrote cheaper for longer. Yeah, I wrote about this. I wrote about this earlier. Like they did an awful lot to bring him here, and uh, D'Angelo's a restricted free agent this season. He's only going to get more expensive. You know, whereas Fox will be relatively cheap, and you know they know he want. He, you know, he's going to go out of his way to stay. You know, even at once his contract res- expires in 2022. Um, and I think they also think, which is probably also true, that Fox has a bit more defensive potential. Um, so so yeah, I think I think you're kind of I, th- I think you're probably right that right now it's D'Angelo because the Rangers are you know taking their time with Fox. We he, we saw him you know he didn't get benched, but he he saw his shifts significantly reduced in the third yeah, period yeah. in the third period against Winnipeg. Um, a lot of guys which wasn't did. you know well, again, you did, it was Hayek Hayek, Hayek also and like I don't it wasn't a punishment it was just kind of no you know like recognizing that like these guys are you know very green and this is a specific situation that maybe calls for um you know when you have other talented players it makes sense to you know lean on the veterans um so, so yeah but I, I agree I think once Fox becomes more comfortable um he's going to be the ultimately the guy that um, gets the benefit of the doubt. And finally, just because I want to know what your guess would be, where do you think Buchnevich ends up in terms of just ballpark points this year? Yeah, see, uh, again, a similar situation to Truba in which, like, it's not so much a worry about him faltering so much as Capococco breathing down his neck. Yeah, the right? fact that and, he can get knocked off the first yeah. line is a difference really in... I don't know, just like a, a, I feel like a safe guess on what that could mean for like the impact on his points. That could impact his points by 15, 12 points, really, if, if from going yeah. from that first line to the second line. Especially with the that. center situation. Oh, my God, yeah. Because um, going from Zibanejad to Strom is not, is, is two different worlds. Adam. Yeah. Um, <laughs> forgot what i was going to say oh yeah and 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 look we know we know david quinn is he he said before the season he kind of wants to you know improve in this regard but he can be quite trigger happy with changing lines when he doesn't like what he sees um so i mean we saw him and i'm not saying he was wrong to but he changed the lines (laughs) after the first two games of the season like completely overhauled everything you yeah, know, even, kind of even, even after the first game of the season, I think he did. Um, so that's with things going well right now. So once it, you know, because it's going to happen, it happens to even the best teams. You know, once things start, you know, going not so great, 
Bushnevich is a pretty easy player to to move down the line. Yeah, he's the first guy you would definitely move but up. In that any line. case, that's a very long-winded, you know, setup yeah, yeah. to the answer to the question. I'm gonna go with 53 points, 20 goals, like 33 yeah. assists. I think 50 is very within reach for him. And again, like it's another situation where, you know, like how do you weigh? Um, the talent that has been added improving you know like we like that that goal against Ottawa was a perfect example where he got the primary assist on like he did great on it but like that's not that goal's not happening last season with the players around him um but how do you weigh that versus versus the fact that you know there are now other players who are going to be getting a lot of touches of the puck um you know it's kind of just an interesting dynamic to think about um so yeah but I'll go 20 goals 33 assists for 53 points I like it. Uh, so, yeah, let's go ahead with thank you for listening. And a special thank you to our patrons, Adam Nahoak, Aiden Gaspar, Alex Gardner, Armiel Kistner, Andre Shikagov, Anthony Viola, Arch Williams, Bob Kawa, Bobby Callahan, Captain America. That's a name. Nice. Chris Abibi, Chris Lucas, Chris O'Connor, CJ Vivola, Clark Carroll, Craig Lachlan, Dan Carosi, Dan Zappor, Daniel DeGen, Danny Santiago, David L. Singer, Eric Cohn, Eric Carlson, Fancy Lawrence, Gabriel Vargas, George Littman, Igor Soslovsky, James Dangles, Jeffrey Stein, Jermaine Francis, John Reppy, Johnny Alo, Jordan Sassone, Joshua Zarkin, Keith Franchillo, Manny from SC, Matt from Brooklyn, Meaty Ogre, Michael Canick, Michael Marcus, Michael Scott, Michael Silvers, Panarin2020, Patrick Landolt, Sammy Vogel-Seidenberg, Sean Taggart, Stephanie Benvengo, Stieg Bjorbach. You know what, Adam? Mm. Didn't, it didn't sound right coming out. I, I tried my best for you, Stieg. That was pretty good, I think. Uh, uh, Joe would have made it a yeah, hundred times worse. So, yeah, he would have said "stick bajolbek." Uh, Stink Fleeman, tall guy, Rob, uh, the Tin Man, Thomas Osatori from Manhattan, Trevor Kempner, and WMM three three nine. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and we'll get back to you with off the post. Have any parting words for the, the lovely people, Adam? Uh, I'm still upset that guy from Man- Montana is no longer with us, but you know, yeah, whatever. There's other things to do in Montana, as it turns out. Yeah. Well, not really, it. but I mean, you could. I've seen people shoot tin cans. I hear that's a big thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>